Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I'm your host, Michelle Berard, and I'm really happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that we bring. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel. And though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we're here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I had to be away for a few months taking care of myself after a rather traumatic event in my life late last year. So somewhere in the middle, dropped off the scene for a couple of months. Then we had a couple of months of replays. I wanna thank you for sticking with the show and with me, for checking on me, and for sending me lovely thoughts and vibes. It means the world to me. But we are back with new interviews and I'm honored and happy to bring those to you. I wanna say thank you to my guest on the October 22nd, 2021 show, self-leadership coach, Eric Winters. You can connect with Eric on Facebook and you can find his book, Swipe Right on Your Best Self, Simple Steps to a Bolder Life with Fewer Regrets on Amazon. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the October 22nd, 2021 show at the somewhere in the middle podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is a really important message, and I hope you guys will help me share it with the youth. But it's not just for the youth. Sometimes we all need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, I learned a ton from this month's guest, and I hope you learned as much as I did. Charles J. Reed is a certified public accountant, U.S. tax court practitioner, member of the Internal Revenue Service Advisory Council, veteran, and the founder of Get Payroll. Mr. Reed's companies have provided full-service payroll services, payroll tax services, and other payroll-related services since 1991. Charles is an accomplished senior executive and entrepreneur with more than 50 years of financial leadership experience in a broad range of industries and the author of four books. His latest book, The Payroll Book, A Guide for Small Businesses and Startups, is currently number 25 in small business books on Amazon. So I'd like to welcome Charles Reed to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thank you, Charles, for being on the show with me. Michelle, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I am really interested in what you do and how you do it. And I really want to ask you these two questions that I use to start my interviews, because I think that feeds right into what you're doing and how you're doing it. So if you're ready, I'll ask my two questions. Go ahead. Charles Reed, who are you and how did you become who you are today? Oh, I'm just a guy, but uh, I'm, I'm a Midwestern boy. I was raised in Iowa, uh, went to high school. After high school, was not ready for college. Uh, I graduated at 16. I worked for a few months and then joined the United States Marine Corps. 
spent four years in service, two years overseas, including a stint in Vietnam. When I came back, I was stationed in Kansas City. I met my wife, Ruth, uh, and we got married. She had five kids when I married her. I claim insanity. <laughs> but uh, it worked. We were married for 45 years before she passed. Oh. Uh, I found after military service that the business community did not value my military experience and knowledge, even though I was an IBM trained COBOL programmer and systems engineer. So I said I needed my credentials, college, got my BBA, my MBA, sat for and passed my CPA exam while in graduate school. Worked in the corporate world for about 15 years, big corporations, smaller ones, turnarounds, a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Realized about the time I was 40, I was never going to run a major corporation. I didn't have the political skills. I was unwilling to stab people in the back and toss them off the ladder. So if I wanted to run a business, and my father had his own, I was going to have to start my own business. So 30 years ago, last month, Ruth and I started a business. Uh, It was an accounting service and mobile accounting service and payroll. And we just kept going. We stopped doing mobile after a few years because of technology. Sold off the accounting to my partner about 10 years ago now. And I'm in the payroll business and I'm enjoying it very much. Uh, Let's me deal with the IRS on a regular basis, which is fun. So, you know, I'm a product of uh, Midwest upbringing, um, university educated parents, the Marine Corps, which is a, obviously a, a major portion in any uh, person's life is military service, and 45 years of a good marriage. Not perfect, but good. <laughs> That's beautiful. Anybody, anybody who says they have a perfect marriage also lie about other things. <laughs> That's true. That's beautiful, though. That's wonderful kind of way of encapsulating kind of who you are now, because I would imagine that all of that, particularly that background in the military, that background um, being IBM trained as a programmer and all of that, that's focused, that's discipline, that's uh, strategic thinking, that's detail orientation, and then being in taxes all this time. You said you have fun working with the IRS. Why is that? The IRS, it's, it's and my, my lawyer used the term, the, the phrase years ago, it's like playing high stakes poker with somebody else's money. <laughs> okay, so it's a contest. You have a goal, they have a goal. Uh, sometimes they meet and sometimes they don't. So it's conflict and it is competition and you get paid for doing it. So in many cases, I know more than the IRS does because I've been at it so long mm-hmm. uh, and I study it and their training budget's not what it should be and they get transferred from department to department. So it's fun to me to, to have that competition. Competition is fun. Mm-hmm. And since it's not me personally, it, I don't get upset with it. It's, it's, it's a game, it's competition. I, I don't let my clients normally talk to the IRS because they will get upset and say things. Right. Well, here about three months, four months ago, the IRS made a mistake on my taxes. So I called them up. 
And as I'm screaming at the guy over the phone and calling him names and telling him I want to talk to his boss and that he's an idiot, the back of my mind is going, Charles, don't do that. (laughs) I was personally involved in it. So when I'm dealing with the IRS for my clients, I'm not emotionally involved in it. And so it it can be fun, fun competition. Well, and that's actually an interesting way of thinking about this for a business person in particular, right? Because you work payroll now, primarily. Primarily, yes. Um, Folks have a lot of compliance requirements. Yes. Most of business people don't know what those are. And that's why they need a company like yours. My, the analogy I use is when I grew up, Pele was the premier soccer player in the world. Maybe it's Messi or Ronaldo now, but when I grew up, it was Pele. Pele was a superb athlete, still alive. He's, he's in the hospital recently, but still going. But if you take Pele and put him at second base at Yankee Stadium, he'd be lost. He doesn't know the equipment, doesn't know the plays, doesn't know the players, doesn't know the rules, doesn't know the field. Still a great athlete, mm-hmm. but he's lost at second base. Well, you take a businessman. <clears throat> he's a, a chef, a mechanic, uh, a fabric cutter, a dog groomer, whatever he does. And he's good at it. He's mm-hmm. successful at it. He works at it every day. He knows his business. And you stick him in the IRS playing field. He's lost. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, there's a lot of things I can't do. Dealing with the IRS is one that I can do uh, because I, I work at it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't groom dogs. Uh, you know, I can't build houses. I can't build cars. Uh, I can't even fix my own car anymore. <laughs> but so I outsource those services to people who know what they're doing, have businesses that do it for a living. And payroll is one of those things that business people, uh, in my opinion, uh, should outsource. Uh, it, it's inexpensive and it just saves you all the problems and it gets you expert compliance from people like me. Well, and talk to us about why that is. Why do um, business people need to get a payroll company to help them manage all of this? Well, first of all, they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a new book, the, the payroll book, and it's 30 years of wisdom distilled down to 95,000 words. And I wrote that because I got questions all the time. So I wanted to codify those and there was nothing in the marketplace. So people can get a real good idea of payroll and understand a lot of what goes on. But payroll is a very complex thing. 75% of all federal revenue flows through payroll. Income taxes, withholding, business taxes, all these things, 75% flows through payroll. On top of that, the IRS in fiscal 19 issued $13 billion in employment tax penalties. The 40% of small businesses got a penalty that averaged $800. Half of those $13 billion, more than half, was abated, was reversed Mm -hmm. because they were an error. Something had been entered wrong, something had been done wrong, the IRS made a mistake, whatever. But more than half of them were abated by people like me who knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And if a business person doesn't understand what they're doing in detail with payroll and compliance, 
they're Pele at second base. They won't know what to do. They'll just have to write the check. Yeah. So in reality, outsourcing payroll, frankly, is in many cases a profit center. You make more than the cost. Got it. Well, you know, that gets into something interesting because I feel like I read last night, came through on my news feed, so I haven't finished reading about it. I haven't gone and looked it up. But there was something about most, like 99% of people are in compliance with taxes. But businesses are only at like 45% compliance. If you are on W-2 and your taxes are withheld and reported, compliance is about 99%. Mm -hmm. If taxes are not withheld but reported, like on 1099s, compliance is uh, around 97%. But if taxes are neither withheld nor reported, the compliance ratio drops to about 27%. So the IRS really would like every transaction reported, every dollar of income reported, and it would increase tax revenue. No argument, no doubt about that. Uh, At what cost? Um, Well, the IRS, instead of being 100,000 people, will probably be a million people. So it'll, it'll be, it'll, it'll replace Walmart as a, as the biggest employer in the country. Wow. So is that why there's some talk about, you know, wanting to get at the money that's going through Venmo and cash app and all those types of. Well, they've, they've, they've already have, I've, I've, I've heard of that one coming and it's already there proposed that every bank transaction over $600 in the bank account mm-hmm. for the year will get reported to the IRS. What the IRS will do with those trillions of pieces of information uh, is beyond me. The IRS has been under budgeted for many, many years, is understaffed in their opinion. Uh, Their training budget's not up to par. Some of their technology goes back to the 1960s and they make millions of mistakes every year currently. So let's, let's go ahead and up their workload 10 times. That sounds like a uh, recipe for a disaster. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not my congressman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that, that that's where they're trying to go because that's more likely to hurt small businesses than large businesses, right? And it's the large businesses that are putting the money offshore and different countries and things of that nature to try and avoid taxes. Now, avoiding taxes is absolutely legal. Yes. And when I was at JCPenney's, the IRS had an office at JCPenney headquarters and had two agents that were assigned to it full time. And they reviewed things every day, constantly. Big corporations don't usually, normally, the vast majority of the time, they don't cheat on taxes. It isn't worth it. Right. They just raise their prices. Right. Okay. So that's not where the problem is. If you think major corporations, whether it be Amazon or Starbucks or whatever, aren't paying their fair share of taxes, that's because the law is written in a way that they can avoid legally paying, paying taxes. That's not illegal. Right. If the Congress thinks they should pay more taxes, All they have to do is change the law. Mm -hmm. But every time Congress 
you got, you know, 535 members of Congress who aren't tax people. Uh, there used to be one from Texas, but I don't think there's anybody that's a professional tax person in Congress at the moment. Mm -hmm. Writing laws uh, in general and then expecting the IRS to flush them out with regulations and rules. And then they publicize that and you have a million very smart accountants and tax people trying to figure a way around it. Right. So 535 non-professionals writing the laws for a million of us CPAs and accountants and tax attorneys to find ways around. That sounds again like a recipe for disaster. We're, we're, we live this stuff. Congress does a lot of things. We live taxes every day. We know them minimally. And so, you know, it's going to be a problem because they can't write laws that smart accountants can't find ways around. Right. Legally. legally. Well, exactly. And that's kind of what I'm saying, though, right? Like, it sounds like the only people who are going to get hurt by this are going to be small businesses that don't have the smart attorneys and, and tax accountants to help them get around this sort of thing. And maybe they're not keeping the best records as well. So what are your recommendations for folks as, you know, number one, I would imagine, keep an eye on what's going on, right, in terms of the law. Um, but what other things might you recommend, particularly to small business people, and maybe even people who don't realize that they're business people yet? Someone who just published a book and didn't realize, oh, I started a business. <laughs> okay. A new entrepreneur, a new business person, a new author needs at least four people in their life. They need a lawyer. They need an accountant. They need a banker. And they need an insurance agent. Those four, four professions, those four people are critical to an entrepreneur's success. A lawyer explains your risks and liabilities and helps you avoid traps that you won't be aware of. The insurance agent protects your liability and makes sure that you don't lose everything because you didn't have the right policy in place. The banker, well, you got to move the money somehow and you've got to have a bank account and you can't just operate out of your pocket. It sounds like fun, but it's, it's a mistake. So you've got to have a banker that can work with you, loan you money if you need it, and make sure that all your funds are flowing and taken care of and, and be able to assist you in those things. Then you need your accountant, preferably a CPA, who will track everything for you. And at a minimum, keep you out of the clutches of the Internal Revenue Service. Because uh, if you have to form a partnership with the Internal Revenue Service, and if you owe taxes and don't pay them, you are now in partnership with the Internal Revenue Service. Mm -hmm. And they are not a nice partner. They are the partner from hell. So you're going to regret that partnership. So your accountant keeps you from doing that, keeps you in compliance, keeps your records. If you have perfect records, an audit is a snap. You just lay out the files for the, for the auditor. He goes through them. And at the end of the day, he says, thank you very much and goes away. Mm -hmm. And that's all there is to it. If you don't, it can get really nasty and expensive. So your accountant keeps you out of that problem, uh, shows you how to record things, shows you how to track things, shows you where you're making money, losing money, 
Uh, he should explain your financials to you. Uh, <coughs> he's integral to understanding your business and what's going on with the movement of your money and goods. So I think they're critical. And if he doesn't do payroll, then the portion of being an accountant, you need a payroll service like us mm -hmm. uh, that will handle your payroll and your compliance on that portion of your business. So what, what's the difference between just a regular accountant and someone who also does payroll or, or the payroll piece of that? <clears throat> well, payroll is a specialized thing. Uh, I'm a CPA. I'm a U.S. tax court practitioner. Um, but I don't do everything in accounting. I never did. If you wanted to talk about international transfer pricing, I'd send you down to Price Waterhouse. I, I wouldn't even touch it. It would be mal, malpractice for me to advise you on that. It's outside of my expertise. The accounting field is huge. You can't know all of it. You, you specialize. Uh, and payroll is a subset of accounting and taxes. And it's something that I've specialized in. I used to be an investment advisor as well, registered investment advisor, carried a, a seven and 66 licenses. I gave that up because I couldn't keep up with the market and keep up with payroll taxes. I don't have enough time in the day. So I specialized and that's payroll is my, my niche. Uh, so I'm, I'm an expert at it. I write books on it. I, I lecture on it. Uh, I was on the IRS advisory council for three years, the last three years advising them on tax things uh, because the IRS is very insular. So they have an advisory committee council and we go through some of the stuff with them, solve some of their problems, make recommendations, um, tell them when they're doing stupid things. <laughs> do they pay attention when you say that? Yes, they do. They, they very much do. The uh, Chuck Reddick, who's the new commissioner, who is a tax attorney, uh, by trade from San Diego, was on ERSAC, the IRS Advisory Council, a number of years ago, and was chairman of it, actually, and is very much a believer in it. So even if the previous commissioners weren't, and they were pretty good about it, and mm -hmm. the recommendations are followed up on, Chuck is a real big proponent of ERSAC and uh, uh, speaks to us every year and, and listens to us, because he knows having been an outsider, how insular the IRS is and how easy for it, it is for them to go off in a direction which doesn't make sense to business. Right. So there's almost a partnership there in terms of trying to make sure that things work, even though it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> it, it is. And, and the, the, the IRS Advisory uh, Council is, is really helpful to the IRS. They, they tell us that. Uh, they follow our recommendations. They implement a lot of them, not all, mm -hmm. because they have their own opinions. And right. we get a report every year of what they've implemented and what they're working on and what they haven't and why. And so uh, I think we serve a very important purpose uh, as outsiders that bring a different perspective than you get in the Insular IRS. You're at 1111 uh, Constitution Avenue in Washington, which is the IRS headquarters, huge building. Um, strangers don't walk in there and talk to people. If, if you want to talk to the commissioner of the Internal Revenue Service, you can't. You call up there, you'll never get him. I can't even get him. I know him. If I, if I call up and say, hey, I want to talk to Chuck, I'm never going to get to him. 
If I have a question for Chuck, I will go to the public liaison people and present it to them. And if they think it's appropriate, they'll take it to his assistant. <laughs> yes. Who, if, if he thinks it's appropriate, we'll take it to him and I'll get an answer back in a year. Right. Uh, it probably will never happen. So I don't even try. Uh, but uh, it's in an insular world. I mean, he runs a, a staff of 100,000 people. He doesn't have time for me. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, but I understand it. <laughs> well, but, but, but the but government see, is structured that way, though, where basically pieces of paper <clears throat> move from one desk to another over a period of time before anybody of consequence gets to look at it and evaluate, right? Any large bureaucracy, any large corporation. Uh, when I went to work for TI after college, I was about six levels down from the president. Nothing I did would ever impact the corporation. Even if I had a suggestion that got worked up, it'd have somebody else's signature on it. <coughs> Excuse me. Before it ever got to the president of, of TI. Mm-hmm. As a lark one day, I called ADP, who's one of my competitors, and asked for the president of ADP, Carlos Rodriguez. And the receptionist um, who answered the phone, switchboard, uh, said, who do you want to talk to? I said, the president. She said, the president of what? <laughs> I, I said, the president of your company, president of ADP. Oh, he doesn't have a phone. I said, are you telling me that Mr. Rodriguez, who runs a multi-billion dollar corporation, they're in Rosedale, New Jersey, on his desk up in the big corner office upstairs, does not have a phone on his desk. She said, well, you know, I don't know, but we don't have access to it. There you go. I, I, I hung up because I was cracking up. That's hilarious. Uh, it, was, it was so funny because my clients, if they want to talk to Charles, they just, whoever has the phone, they say, I want to talk to Charles. <laughs> you know, if I'm in the office, I talk to him. So it's, uh, it's, it's a whole different world. And the IRS is a huge bureaucracy. And when you're fighting that, you have to understand you're, you're, you're fighting with a huge bureaucracy. And if you don't know the ins and outs, example, I had a client and they had a penalty that I thought was inappropriate. It was for $95,000. It took nine years to get that uh, penalty abated. Uh, I'd gone up through all the channels and was going to senior field people. And I finally got to the director of field operations who wouldn't return my calls. So having been on URSAC, I called the deputy chief of appeals and said, uh, it was Sally. And said, Sally, uh, you know, I can't get a hold of someone, so he won't return my calls. And she said, I'll have him call you. He called me that afternoon. Uh, we talked about it. We had the case reassigned to a new appeals office. They looked at it, and about three months later, my guy, my client got a refund for four hundred and fifty dollars instead of a ninety-five thousand dollar penalty. Wow! Uh, so you have to know how to play the bureaucracy sometimes, mm-hmm. and if you don't know, uh, you're Pele at second base. Yeah. So, what kinds of things should um, small business owners be looking for in terms of uh, getting payroll help? Look for a company that understands their business. Uh, look for expertise. Again, I'm a CPA and a U.S. tax court practitioner. We just won another U.S. tax court case the other day. Um, 
I've yet to lose one. I'm sure I will someday, but so far I'm, I'm good. <laughs> um, it's the expertise. I mean, our competitors do a reasonably good job of producing paychecks. Otherwise they'd be out of business. But what they don't have and what we have is the compliance expertise. So when that IRS penalty appears, and it will, uh, in many cases, uh, my competitors will tell their clients to go talk to their CPA. Mm. And if their CPA really understood payroll, he'd be doing it for them. Right. So it's like telling the, the you know, the blind to, to go to the blind to get led around. It, it doesn't work. It's a very specific niche and you have to understand, you have to understand the compliance. There's, there's two parts to uh, payroll. One is the production, producing those checks, direct deposits, paying the taxes and, and filing all the forms. Mm-hmm. And then the other portion is compliance, dealing with the IRS, the state, the local, understanding the law and be able to work with the internal revenue service or fight with the internal revenue service. One of the things we do is we take, and we're very unusual in this, we take a form 2848 from our clients, which is an IRS limited power of attorney and allows us to advocate for our clients with the internal revenue service. We also take it for the states where appropriate. Mm -hmm. Most of our competitors won't because it is a professional responsibility. To take a 2848, you have to be an EA, a CPA, or an attorney. Uh, our competitors don't have those people available for their clients. They, that's not their, mm-hmm. not their business model, which is fine. I, right. I have no problem with it. I think it's great for me. <laughs> but we provide professional level of services that most of our competitors don't. So look for a payroll company that you can work with, that you can that understands your business, um, that you like, that's reasonably priced, and then look at the compliance aspect. Can they handle the compliance problems that you are going to run into? If they can't, look for somebody else. So what might be considered reasonably priced? Oh, it's, it's per person. Most of our clients probably spend less than $1,200 a year, less than $100 a month okay. for payroll. <clears throat> and if, if they get penalized that year, that $1,000 is gone. So it's, it's, right. it's, a, it's a win-win. Exactly. Uh, obviously, a, we, we price per employee. So the more employees you have, uh, the more it costs. If you're just, and we, we do onesies. We have a number of people who are just employed and, it's not worth their time to file the 941s and the W-2s and right. the state unemployment reports and the state revenue reports. We've got very expensive software that, that, that does all that and gets updated literally twice a week. Mm-hmm. So you're saying so, when you say onesies, you mean like a single person LLC type thing? Single em- employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you own a corporation or LLC that's not a disregarded entity, you are an employee. Mm-hmm. And you have to file, uh, you have to deposit ta- withhold and deposit taxes mm-hmm. and file a W-2. If you're a disregarded entity or a sole proprietor, then you're never on payroll and you just do it all on your Schedule C on your 1040. Mm-hmm. 
But if you've incorporated or set up an LLC for liability purposes and are not a disregarded entity for tax purposes and you work in it, you're an employee. So you've got to do everything that IBM does for their people. So that one person, that one person has to do the same thing as a giant corporation has to do to remain compliant. And that's to avoid those uh, penalties that can cost them so much. A- absolutely. And, and when you put it that way, doesn't it sound silly that that attorney out there that's a sole prop- that does his own business, but is incorporated for, for liability purposes, is subject to the same requirements that General Motors is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in some states, it's very expensive to have those businesses and you want to be able to protect them. Yeah. Stay out of California. <laughs> yeah. You, you must have known I was thinking of California, right? <laughs> oh, I do. Because California is a, just a, a bear to deal with. New York is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, liberal states set up laws that make it difficult for business. That I, I don't know why, but they do. Well, that's one time I can say, thank goodness for the great state of Georgia. (laughs) Uh, We're in Texas, so uh, there's there's no personal income tax in Texas. (laughs) I forgot about that. Another reason to revisit Texas. Um, Not to mention the food, great food in Texas. Well, great food in Georgia, too. Uh, I'm from Louisiana. I'm partial. I'm I'm more partial to Louisiana and Texas, but that's just... I came down from the north, so uh, I've gotten very happy with Southern cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So tell us about your book. What kinds of things can people learn in your book and where can they get it? Well, it's the payroll book, uh, a guide for small businesses and startups. It's available on Amazon. It's available at the payrollbook.com, which is the website for the book. As I said, it's 30 years of wisdom. It's three sections. The first section is the things you need to know. Mm-hmm. Who's an employee? Who's a contractor? What are the laws? Uh, employing children, employing parents, tax laws, penalties, uh, deposit requirements, filing requirements, <coughs> all these kinds of nuts and bolts that you need to know. Mm-hmm. The second section is how you're on a payroll. How you calculate it, what's blended over time, what's Chinese over time, all kinds of things. Uh, and how to get from, okay, I've got a guy and he's worked some hours at a, at a rate. Now, I go from there, gross pay, down to net pay. And what do I do with what doesn't go into the net pay? So how to, how to really run a payroll? That's the second section. The third section is all the ancillary things, handbooks. Uh, as cheat, workers' comp, illegal aliens, legal aliens, 401ks, uh, PEOs, you name it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot of things that you may not need, but they're payroll related. And if it comes up, you've got a resource. So it's uh, the only thing that we found <coughs> comparable to it was the, the payroll source from the American Payroll Association. And it's six hundred dollars. Wow! I think Amazon has this at twenty two ninety five currently. Quite a bargain by comparison. Yeah, I think so. For all so that it's knowledge. it's it's really <clears throat> it's not something you want to uh, just sit down and read. 
unless of course you have insomnia. <laughs> uh, and, and then you will go to sleep. But it is a reference for anybody who has payroll. It's a good handy reference. Gives you a lot of places to start. Doesn't explain everything. I mean, mm-hmm. the IRS, uh, I, I get five newsletters a week from the IRS on various things, two on payroll. So the, the, the IRS regulations will fill a, a bookcase. Mm-hmm. So it won't tell you everything, but it'll give you a lot of information and a good place to start. And it will help you to speak intelligently with your payroll <coughs> provider yes, and yes. your tax attorney. Yes. Yes. And if you feel so inclined, the Internal Revenue Service. Well, but you're going to talk to the IRS for them. So I don't I don't recommend it. If you're not a <laughs> professional, you talk to the IRS. I, I really don't recommend it. Awesome. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, find out more about your services, how do they do that, Charles? Getpayroll.com. My email is cjr at getpayroll.com. So I'm, I'm easy to find. And then how do they go about getting signed up with you guys? They just call you up and say, hey, tell me more about your services. And call, call, call me up. I'll, I'll, I'll connect you with Pete, who's my, uh, what do we call him? Business development manager. And he'll, he'll send you, he'll get you a quote, explain all the, the questions you have and get you signed up if you're interested. Awesome. Awesome. Charles Reed, thank you so much for appearing Michelle. on Somewhere in the Middle. Michelle, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you tune into the show on May 20th when my guest will be poet Ra Ariel. You can find us once a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the somewhereinthemiddlepodcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.